0: listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners. Welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. Today, we are joined with a really cool guest. His name is Daniel Wood and he's here with Momentum Property Education. And the reason I'm really excited to interview him today is because he specializes in a topic that we've never really covered on the show and I've personally never really done a whole lot of studying on. So, I'm interested to ask him a lot of questions. He does international investing. So we hear so much about people investing in the States, but there's actually other markets all over the world. So I I can't wait to dig in and learn out a little bit more about it. So Daniel, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. Honored to be here.
0: So Daniel, can you give us your background, um, where you came from, what you were doing before real estate, how you transitioned that into real estate and just kind of like how you got to where you are today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'll do my full life story. So, do you have another few hours here? <laughs> <laughs> no, but in in short, uh, my dad's from the U.S., but I'm born and raised and live in Sweden. And so, so, Sweden is not much of a property market. Most people here don't invest. Why is
0: that? I'm just curious.
1: Well, it's we're a very well-educated society. <laughs> you know, college tuition is free, so most people go to college or university. And uh, so it creates a very high level of education, which allows us to get a high salaries in in the market. As you know, Jim Collins says in the book Good to Great, the greatest enemy of great is good, and that's kind of okay. what we got in Sweden. We uh, we got good jobs, we got you know comfortable lives, but I was really tired of mine. I was working in the recruitment a- in- industry, so I was helping companies recruit people, and it was fun. I mean, I got to know people from all walks of life. But it was when I met two young entrepreneurs who brought me in as a consultant to kind of help them build their, their employer brand. They brought me in, and we became really good friends. And they shared with me, you know, what was their background. It turned out that they'd both had, like, they were on the management track, like CEO track of one of the largest banks in Sweden. And they'd left that to start this little tiny recruitment business. And when I heard it, you know, that was like my dream job, right? They'd thrown my dream job away to create this little crappy company. And I, I thought, I'm like, why would you do that? It's crazy. And they just looked at me and said, well, have you read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? <laughs> I'm like, no. Is that, well, read that book. If you still have that question, come talk to us then. And I'm like, well, all right, fair enough. And I bought the book, and you know, as probably 99% of the people listening to this know, it is such a life changer, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you can't I mean,
0: use that book at the end of the show when we ask you what your favorite book <laughs> is, because like 99% of our guests do.
1: <laughs> exactly. So, all right, I'll, I'll have another. I got lots of good books, but I was just so roped into it. I got so excited. And I started looking at the Swedish market, but I realized it's really heavily regulated here. There's a cap on rents. There are regulations on if you're able to even rent your property. It's very, very hard to succeed. You really need to go into like large scale developments to make money in Sweden. And then the market can be great, but it, it takes, you know, you need to have your million dollars in cash and then, you know, use leverage to get it up. And obviously I didn't have any million dollars in cash. So I started looking around, and I came across a company that was teaching investing internationally. And they, they had done the due diligence, and they showed us how to do the due diligence, and they'd identified the United Kingdom as the most profitable place in Europe. Now, we've since then done deals in, in Spain and actually some in Sweden, in Poland, in, in other countries as well. But the UK really is, in my opinion, the best one in Europe. Now, what kind of deals do you do? We've done a big part of kind of the property journey or the property ladder. (laughs) So our first property deal, we went to the UK, and I'll tell you though, we got we got totally ripped off when we started out. (laughs) I got tricked for about four hundred thousand pounds. That's almost five hundred thousand dollars, just starting out, and that was investor money. It was horrible. I can talk more about that in a moment, but I'll answer your question first. But we start out buying some really small little buy-to-lets up in Scotland, you know, 30,000 pound properties with 14% yields. So like really nice properties, but they were too small to refinance. So our, we kind of stopped there. We couldn't, you know, build the portfolio. So uh, we then moved into buy-to-lets in actually England, you know, little bigger properties. And then we did something called HMOs, okay. which is a UK term. It's essentially like a dorm. You buy a house and then you have like you have a kitchen and a living room and and a bathroom that's shared and then you rent it out by the room.
0: Do they do that a lot
1: there? Yeah, it's one of the most popular strategies. And surprisingly, I have in one of mine, I have a an accountant, an IT consultant, and like three managers sharing a house. And, and the rooms are tight ty- and there are different sizes. They're called single bed, double bed. And then on is when you add like a bathroom.
0: It sounds like Europeans have a different view of privacy than we do
1: here. Well, it's Brits. I just don't get it though. Honestly, it's my rooms. My, mine are all double bed or on suites. So I don't do any single beds, but to me, when I walk into what they call a double bed, it's basically a bed and there's like two feet of distance around it, and you can like squeeze in a desk on one side. And it's, you know, I, I don't see how anyone making an accountant salary lives there. But I do. I, you know, mine are considered really nice properties. They're high spec. They're big rooms. But I would never live that way myself. But <laughs> the demand is there. So, so we do it. And and the demand is growing now with COVID as well. It's it's. Uh, you know, because people are obviously going to come into harder times financially, they're keen. So, so we moved on to that. Now we're doing some developments. We're converting a old factory in the middle of uh, one of the major boroughs to Manchester. We're converting it into 14 flats and three commercial units, and then we're going to run the flats as kind of a, a semi hotel through Airbnb. We're converting an old pub, and I'm actually the founding investor of a golf resort in South Wales.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations.
1: Well, that one's cool. I'm obviously not really a part of that project. I was just the first guy. It was one of my mentors who's doing it, and I was the first one to go, yep, I'm in. That's awesome. I know what you're going to do. And surprisingly, even through COVID and everything, it's about a year ahead of schedule. So it's going really, really well. Yeah, so we've done a little bit of everything and we're we're trying out more things. You know, we're looking at some of our projects might be converted into like self-storage areas we have and so we're we're always looking for new exciting ways to grow our portfolio and our contacts.
0: So, you teach international real estate. Who do you teach it to? Is, is it Americans or or is it people that are already international?
1: Well, it depends. Most Americans don't really want to go outside of the US and and I get it because the US is essentially like Europe, right? Each state is like its own country. So uh, investing out of state is very similar to what I'm doing. I got you. But uh, there are Americans who want to diversify, you know, buy things in Spain, buy things in the UK, get into a different market. If the US market crashes, you know, it's not going to be two states that crash. It's going to be the U.S. market, right?
0: Sure, no, no, no. I, I mean, I, I love the idea. I've often thought about investing internationally for that div- same diversification you're talking about. And the reason I asked the the leading question was, I'm I'm just I'm curious the differences between investing in the states versus investing in Europe. If you've never invested in the states, that you might that might well, not be Well, I know I,
1: <laughs> I know a lot of people who do, and I've I've been involved in a couple deals in the U.S., so I, I do know I do know of it. So I think the biggest difference with and, and obviously we can't really say Europe versus the the US because it's the markets are so different. Just look compare Sweden which is super regulated to the UK which is actually very similar to the US mm-hmm. as a market. So those are kind of the two extremes in many ways there. But put it this way, the U.S. and the Swedish market are its opposites, right? <laughs> in the U.S., you can kind of do anything. There are so many creative strategies, you know, from tax liens to lease options to seller financing and, and everything in between that you can do. The U.K. is kind of like a dialed down version of the U.S. You know, we do our lease options. We do our seller financing. We we don't really do tax liens. We'll do repossessions. But, you know, there's, it's just a little less creativity in the market Mm -hmm. and uh, a lot less lawsuits in the market. (laughs) (laughs) So in many ways, the way I see it, the U.S. is probably the easiest market in the world to get very wealthy very, very quick. But there is a lot more volatility in the U.S. market than there is in a market like the U.K. So the U.K. is more your steady slog where you build you acquire a property, you get cash flow, you refinance, it goes up in value, you use that, you buy another one. And it's just that, you know, what people call the burr strategy, right? Buy, sure. refurb, rent, refinance. That's kind of what we do in the UK. And then we'll just tack on like a lease option or, or a seller financing or something like a little bit creative to improve it. While in the US, you guys can go crazy and, you know, no money down, or actually, you know, pay me to take your property kind of things. And You know, there's a lot more creativity you can do. Yeah, that that would be the easiest comparable of them.
0: Gotcha. So how does the price and the rent kind of relationship work? So let me, I guess, explain that question a little bit more. So I live in South Louisiana where you can cash flow like crazy because we have, you know, $50,000 houses that rent for $1,000 a month. If you go to California or New York City, you know, you're looking at million dollar houses that rent for $2,000 a month. So you're going to be (laughs) negative the whole time. So I'm just, I'm wondering what that relationship looks like on a European scale.
1: Yeah. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to focus in a bit there on the UK because it's, okay. it is the prime. I mean, it is really the best market. If you're going to go into Europe and you're not doing it to buy a summer house in Spain, right? Then well, you, you keep,
0: you keep pushing me back to the UK. I keep saying Europe cause I've been enticed by Spain. I liked, <laughs> I like well, we the can idea talk of
1: Spain, but Spain is a very, very different animal, right? Spain is for me, the Spanish market is really about tourism. Okay. So you want to be buying properties, renting them out through like Airbnb, and like service departments, service accommodation. And our favorite strategy there is back in like 2005 to 2007, they were building golf resorts like crazy in South Spain. And mm-hmm. what they would do is, you know, they would build a resort and then they would build about 10,000 like villas and flats in the resort grounds. And then people would buy these flats and then, you know, they would come down and then they would play on the golf resort. So that was the whole strategy. Now, most of them went bankrupt with the 2008, (laughs) 2009 crash, right? So what was happening for the years after was they were essentially giving away these flats. They were giving you 110% lending to, you know, that would cover your purchase plus your purchase tax. And then you would pay for like legal fees and you would get this house and all you had to do was pay the interest. So it was a very nice way to acquire property. The downside is, for me, the Spanish market is very weak financially, and I apologize to any Spaniards listening, but it's not a strong economy, which means, for me, the biggest value is renting to tourists because it's also one of the primary tourist countries in all of Europe. So we all love coming to Spain. So when you rent it that way and you have it in a golf resort, you get the summer months, you know, your June, July, August, packed, you know, families but because it's in a golf resort you extend the time from april through october and you got it full because the golfers are coming down
0: so this next question is a little bit of my ignorance but it's very much off the topic of real estate why and i'm like planning my next vacation in my head why is spain so tourism based is it the geography is it better weather and stuff like that than than like a, a uk
1: Yeah, so we here, if we're not going far, if we're not going to, you know, to Florida to go to Disney World or to, you know, (laughs) somewhere else, if we're we're traveling within Europe, if we're going for a sun vacation, we're generally going to the Mediterranean, right? So it's, you know, you got Portugal, Spain, Italy, Greece, places like that. That's where we kind of travel. And out of them, Spain is probably the cheapest to travel to. And then it kind of becomes a habit, right? It's just become kind of the number one, but people go to Italy all the time, right? People go to Greece, but Spain has become like a primary go and swim in the ocean, hang out by the pool kind of vacation. And if you want to go on a, like a cultural journey, you'll go to Italy, right? You'll go to France. You you might go to Greece, but if you just want to go lie on the beach, you go to Spain.
0: Got it. Noted. So before I derailed you, let's get back to -to (laughs) price-to-rent ratios in the United Kingdom.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So there you got... right. That was a long time ago. I'm glad you remembered the question. (laughs) So yeah. Now for us, the UK, think of it as the US in like a micro, small size, right? So you got London. London's your Manhattan, right? So London, you got super high prices, comparably super low rent. So you're hoping to get incredible capital appreciation, but if you're not, you know, you're know, you in trouble, right? Sure. And then you have the north of England and Scotland, which is very much where you are in uh, South Louisiana, right? You got your 20 to 50K properties that are cash flowing really well. I'm, I have a bunch of like 30,000 pound units that are running out for 400 pounds a month. So it's not as high yield as you got, but still, it's it's pretty nice yields. And then you got the in-between, right? We got what we call the Northern Powerhouse, place like Liverpool, Manchester, which has kind of a middle ground to the two. I don't know if that would be your Cleveland, maybe, or Cincinnati <laughs> or something like that, which Midwest. would be, yeah, your kind of Midwest type properties where you're going to have some capital appreciation. They're going to grow by the maybe three to 5% a year in average times. And then you're going to have your yields that are, you know, you'll have a hundred thousand pound property and you'll rent it out for a thousand pounds a month. And then as you go southward, the the yields go down, the capital appreciation goes up. So we call it the North South Divide, and it goes right through Birmingham, which is the geographical center, which is a great place for that reason to invest. But then as you go south, you know, you'll have more capital appreciation and less uh, less cash flow.
0: Awesome. Well, tell us about how you got ripped off for a half billion pounds.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. That was well, that's one of the challenges. And I'm sure if anyone, you know, listening is investing out of state, you kind of know the feeling is, you know, when you're not there to be on people, you know, follow up and make sure they're doing their job, what often happens is they they start to kind of take advantage. At least if they're not really reputable good people, they they'll take advantage. So what happened to me was I took this course. I took an education. I I was, you know, the perfect student. I invested in myself to grow. And I went over and, uh, you know, they introduced me to all these people and they said, you can trust these people. They'll take care of you, do deals with them and it'll go well. And so I said, yeah. And I didn't really do any due diligence. I just said, all right, my mentor told me to trust them. So I trust them. And uh, I went into the deals, both feet first, threw ourselves in, and it was a combination of them some of them were not like evil people, right? Some of them were th- them just going, Hey, here's a guy who's raised all this money. We can do some major developments here. How fun. And it was like, it was their first development. Yeah. And so it was, it was every
0: incompetence, not intentional.
1: Exactly. So we had a deal like that where we lost $200,000 just right down the drain because they promised us that they knew what they were doing. And I was too inexperienced myself to realize that the project was going completely off the rails. And, you mm-hmm. know, they were hiding things. They were lying. You know, they were sending false reports. There was a whole, whole thing. So it was hard to catch, but a more experienced investor would have caught it. In other cases, it was just builders just taking advantage. Like the Swede isn't here. He can't see that I'm not here <laughs> today, but I'm going to get paid anyway. And so it was stuff like that. And it took, it took a long time for us to realize that we'd actually been ripped off, right, and. Once that happened, we were on the brink of bankruptcy, right? I had people calling me, asking me to pay them their money back, you know, the investors, people asking me to pay my bills. And I was just so stressed. And uh, finally, you know, my accountant called me and said, Daniel, it's time to throw in the towel. You're done. It's time to bankrupt this company. And I'm so, what does that, because in in Europe, we don't bankrupt companies. That is the ultimate failure (laughs) as an entrepreneur. I know in the U.S., like, you got to go bankrupt three times before you're 30 otherwise you're never going to make it as an entrepreneur. I saw
0: it, some weird stat that like the average millionaire had been bankrupt three times before they yeah. got
1: there or something. It, exactly, that's that's such a US like you just go, right? You go for it all in. If you screwed up it's like, "Hey, I learned something. Let's do this again with some more experience." Right. In Europe it's like if you've gone bankrupt, it's over. You're done. That was you failed. You're a bad entrepreneur. It's not like that was a learning experience. It's like, you're a bad entrepreneur. And so when I was in that situation, and and it's even worse in Sweden than it is in the UK. So I was like, oh no, you know, my career is over before it even started. What do I do? What does it mean? And he basically said, look, look, it's not that bad. We bankrupt the company. We start you a new one. We get rid of the debt, start over. Right. He was a little U S about it with, (laughs) and so I'm like, wait a sec, you're saying I don't have to pay This half million dollars of debt, I can start over with everything I've learned? He's like, yeah. I'm like, wow, that sounds amazing. Then I went, but one question, if I don't pay that debt, who does? And he said, well, your investors aren't going to see their money back. So he said, oh, so it's not me starting over. It's me throwing everyone else under the bus. I said, well, I guess you could see it that way. I said, yeah, we're not doing that. So we're not going bankrupt. I have no idea how we're going to figure it out, but somehow we're going to figure it out. And that's where oh, we were so blessed we actually ran an event in sweden because we were we were bringing kind of speakers to sweden the people who were helping us learn we mm-hmm. were kind of referring on, on others not the company though that you know led us down this trap but kind of people like tony robbins were working with his organization and stuff and then we got introduced to kim kiyosaki so uh, you know yeah, one of the authors robert's wives template. yeah yeah so She came over to Sweden and hosted an event with us, and we got to know her really well. We're actually partners to the Rich Dad organization today with their cash flow game. We've translated it to Swedish and and we're about to launch. I got it. (laughs) Yeah, oh, you do? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, Yeah. so we got the Swedish one coming, which is awesome. And she actually, she gave us so much advice. We sat down with her multiple dinners. When she went home to the US, she was on multiple calls with my wife and gave us advice she was a pivotal in turning the business around and, and, just helping us out. So I was so blessed to meet her. And through there, we, we actually went on to do about a hundred, uh, over a hundred property deals. And it was like that volume of good deals that went well, finally allowed us to pay back the debt of all the things that had gone wrong to begin nice. with.
0: Nice, nice we do a lot of uh, like apartment syndication so a, a big apartment syndicator in the us is joe fairless and he lost a million dollars of investor capital on in his first deal and it took him right. 10 years to pay it back but but he yeah. did and you know he now has over a billion dollars in holdings because obviously that show of integrity yeah. gets you lifelong investors
1: yeah and that's what we want to do and obviously i think a lot of people don't appreciate that you know they just see it as I screwed up and I owe them the money. So there's no appreciation really there. But at the same time, it's for my own sake that I want to pay them back. Sure. And, and I kind of say, look, you know, I can bankrupt the company or I pay you back. It's up to you. But my intent is to pay you back. It might take a while, but I'm going to do it. And, you know, some people are happy about it. Others are not. But in any case, we pay them back, right? right. <laughs> and, and, you know, if, probably at some point they'll sit down They'll probably do other investments in their lives that go wrong. And, you know, no one's going to call them and ask them to pay them back. And at that point, they might go, oh, wow, that was actually really nice of what Daniel did. I appreciate it.
0: So tell us one that went
1: right, one that you knocked out of the park. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I do have some stories like that, too. Right.
0: <laughs> I don't want to be all uh, doom and gloom.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I what we do a lot in Momentum is we share our doom and gloom because I think that allows others to like not do those mistakes, yeah. right? To have an easier journey. So I'm very transparent that way. But yes, sometimes deals actually do go well. <laughs> so I'll, to give an example, it was actually a really cool property we kind of stumbled into. It was an a terraced house near a hospital in Liverpool, and so we saw directly that, you know, with these hospitals, they have a lot of nurses and doctors working, you know, weird shifts. And, you know, some of them might actually live in another city and they'll come and they'll be working for a period of time. So we realized this house that had come on the market would be perfect to turn into one of these HMOs. And so we went in, we uh, refurbed it and we bought it for, could we have bought it for, I think it was 91,000 pounds. We refurbed it for about 30,000 pounds and that's including like furnishing and, and the special you know fire uh, fire safety and everything you need for these HMOs, putting in the extra bathrooms and everything. And what, is, so, what does
0: HMO stand for again?
1: No, that sounds for House of Multiple Occupancy. Basically, you know, you. multiple people live here.
0: <laughs> we're, we're renting by the room.
1: Exactly, and so we rented it, and so you have to spend all this money because we have to furnish it and everything. So a lot of that doesn't in- actually increase the value. So the valuation came back at about 125, about what we spent on it. But what was great was we all of a sudden had a rent of about 2,400 pounds a month. Nice. Which is a pretty good yield. And it's, it's gone really, really well just because it's near the hospital. It keeps filling up and it just goes like clockwork. So properties like that are, are worth their weight in gold. Absolutely.
0: What, uh, what's next for y'all?
1: So right now, what's been really exciting is we've actually partnered with a crowdfunding platform, which allows us to finance the deals for our students, which is really cool. So we help people, you know, want to get into the UK market. We teach them how the market works. We connect them to actual good people, not like the good people I was introduced to. (laughs) And now we can actually finance up to 80% of their deals. So a lot of my time and effort is going into that. But I'm also using the crowdfund myself to fund my own deals. So you know we have these developments we're doing right now, but we're also acquiring a lot of properties. a lot of them like very similar to the hMO there in Liverpool. We bought an eleven bed property, like this huge villa also in Liverpool that we're turning into an apartment hotel here in uh, in October. we bought it. So, Right now, we're basically scouring the market for any good deals and, uh, and taking the best one, putting our teams in there and, and renting, renting them out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How are we all? So um, I want to hop over to our radio round real quick. Just helps our listeners get to know you a little bit better. Just three quick questions. First one is, what's your favorite book?
1: All right. So I wasn't allowed to say rich dad, poor dad. So cool. I have, I have a few. My wife keeps reminding me, I have to go back and read Think and Grow Rich, which is one uh, of our favorite books.
0: I just reread it a couple months ago. Yes.
1: Oh, awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sitting there on my nightstand. I've probably read it three, four times. One I can highly recommend as well is The Richest Man in Babylon for anyone starting mm-hmm. out. Love that one but otherwise I love biographies, right? I just eat up biographies of red. You know, one of my favorites is snowball. It's about Warren Buffett. So that one's a really, really good one.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I'll check it out. What's your favorite quote?
1: Well, I just mentioned the biography of Warren Buffett. So I'll use a Warren Buffett quote too. (laughs) And I think it's kind of apropos for the time. He said, when other people are greedy be fearful. When other people are fearful, be greedy. And uh, that's paraphrase. He he said it probably a little differently, but essentially in in these times we're in right now, where there's this weird combination of greed in the market and fearfulness, (laughs) you got to be really, really careful and play the tides and make sure you're buying the right deals for the right reasons right now. But if there is a crash, that's when it's time to get greedy. (laughs)
0: Yeah. We just keep waiting.
1: <laughs> yeah, really.
0: What's your favorite thing to do outside of work?
1: Well, it's really it's just being with my family. That's why we do the whole property journey is to spend time with the family. So, our kids just started playing hockey and it's you know, here in Sweden we have snow and ice in the winter, so we have a little pond out back that just thawed, but before we would go out and we'd play hockey together on the ice, which is just so much fun. Awesome.
0: How can our listeners get in touch with you, found out about your education platform, interact with you, learn more about you?
1: Oh, thank you for asking. Well, we have a podcast, which we've had amazing guests, among them, Kim Kiyosaki, Jordan Harbinger, Ben Chai, Simon Zucci, You know, awesome people coming on the show. So it's called Momentum Investing. So if anyone wants to head over there, listen to some of those interviews. It's uh, always exciting. You can also find us on pretty much any social media. Just search for Momentum Property Education on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. I'm on Clubhouse now. If you search for Daniel Wood or Property Skills, as the h- handle is, do a lot of cool rooms. I actually done a room with Les Brown and one with Tyrese Gibson from Fast and Furious. So awesome. that was cool. He popped into the room and hung out with us for a while uh, well, 40 minutes. That was pretty cool. And then uh, if you want to start out on property, if you're just starting your journey, we actually have a free introduction course that you can get at MomentumGift.com. So it's just MomentumGift.com. And it teaches you the three simple steps to property investing, how to finance your deals, how to find them, and uh, yeah, how to get it done. So uh, if you want to join there, MomentumGift.com.
0: Awesome. Danny, thank you so much for joining us. I, I learned a ton. And I'm sure our, our listeners will love it. So we look forward to uh, staying in touch and following you on your journey.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Crestworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at RentRollRadio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at RentRollRadio.com or Sterling at CrestworthCapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing.